Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Morning. It's so, so cool to see all of you again. So today we're going to talk about what teaching do you submit to, um, or... Um, let me rather say, how do we know what is a false prophet? Because a lot of us submit to teachings and, and we, we don't realize that we're actually submitting to a teaching that is a false prophet. It's something that we should be very careful of, should be avoiding getting away from. Um, but without us realizing it, we fall into that trap. And today I'm going to hopefully show you that we have an idea about a false prophet that is not always completely correct. We look at these big, um, powerful, um, financially extremely stable uh, plane owners, and we think they are the false prophets of this world. And very often they are, but um, it's not only about that, and I hope to clarify that with you today. Our text that we are going to look at is Matthew 7, verse 15 to 20. And it starts out with a a warning, beware of the false prophets. Um, And I thought if we want to look at what is a false prophet, if we want to understand what is a false prophet, we first need to look at where is it mentioned in the Bible. And I, I found 11 places where there are false prophets. I found... Three verses um, of Jesus talking about false prophets. Um, In Matthew 24, verse 11, Jesus says, And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And he's talking about the last days. So they will have an impact on many people. Then a little bit further on, he also says, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. So we know that none of us are immune. We could all fall for this teaching if we're not careful. It's very interesting. He says there's false Christs and false prophets. And I think very often when we read that, we think, oh, there are going to be people that say, I am Christ, right? Um, But I don't think that is going to be happening. Those kind of people normally get sent into some asylum or something. So at least to a psychologist, right? Um, Those people are not going to have an impact on us. I think it's a teaching. A teaching that somebody gives about a Christ, which is not the Christ that we serve. It's not the Christ of the Bible. And we need to be very aware of, of that as well. Then... In Mark 13, verse 22, we read, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. I have a very dear friend that I once spoke to, and I I said to her, well, I, I think that person's teaching is not biblical. And her response to me was, but Ziggy, he heals people, and he does wonderful stuff, and he's such a wonderful person, as if that justifies 
that this person must be correct. And today I want us to realize miracles, wonders, amazing um, speeches, right? They don't justify somebody as a true teacher, a biblical teacher. And we need to be very aware of that. These three verses sound like it's, it's human beings, correct? But let's have a look at some other verses. Um, in Acts, we read that they encountered a person called Bar-Jesus, uh, a Jewish false prophet. Uh, so it is once again a person. In 2 Peter uh, 2 verse 1, verse 1, we read, uh, But false prophets also arose among the people. So they come from the people, just as there will be false teachers amongst you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even deny the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. When I read that, I, 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 got, I, got, I got shocked because I realized these are people amongst the congregation. It's not somebody coming from somewhere. It's amongst the congregation that this can happen. And very often when we read of false prophets and things like that, we think, oh, that is a, a person very far away. And it, it shocked me to, to such an extent that I, I, I started to question myself and my, my own teaching, just as we should question everyone's teaching, irrespective of who's standing here in front. And we should look at the word and ask ourselves, does this align with the Bible? So once again, this sounds like it's human beings. So let's take that, that verse from 2 Peter uh, 2 verse 1 and, and just look at that in context. It carries on saying, and many will follow their sensuality. Now, that word sensuality um, was translated when it meant something different. If you go have a look at the or original word and its description um, sensuality doesn't even show up there. But that is because I think when this was translated, it meant something else. One of the words that come up when you look at what does it mean is the word perdition. Now, if you are like me, you don't have a clue what that means, so I put the definition up for us all, right? But what I find interesting, if you look at that definition, it is a state of eternal punishment and damnation into which a sinful and unrepented person passes after death. That is where a false prophet takes you. A place of not repenting. Because if you never repent, you're never saved. You need to repent and turn to Christ to be saved. Just knowing Christ, knowing that He's the Son of God, will not save you. Even the demons know that. So, it carries on. And because of them, the way of truth will be blemished. Blasphemed. Ha! Blasphemed. All right? Wow. Um, 
Why, why is that blasphemed? Why do people talk badly about the truth? Because there are people that call themselves Christians that are not walking according to that truth. They follow a Christ, possibly, that is not the Christ of the Bible. They submit to a teaching, possibly, that is not the teaching that the Bible gives. We carry on and reading about these false prophets. It is said that in their greed, so they are greedy. And I think every person standing here in front, including myself, can very easily get greedy. Greed is not always just the greed of financial greed. Greed can be that greed that I want more people to love me. I want more people to acknowledge me, to kind of say that I'm a great speaker and love my, my sermons and that kind of stuff. That could also be greed. And that greed will exploit you. A false prophet will always exploit the people listening, submitting to that teaching. If you look at that word exploit in the King James, it is translated as they will mer make merchandise of you. So you'll be something they can buy and sell by their teaching. So when we carry on, we see that their condemn condemnation or their destruction is coming. And that reminds us of the text that we have today. In Matthew 7, verse 19, it says, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. But there's also some text about end times. There's text in, in Revelation that is also talking about false prophets. And I think when reading this, we get a different additional picture, which is very important to also note. In Revelation 16, verse 13, it says, And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. Then later it says, And the devil who had been deceived, uh, who had deceived them, was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. We also read, and the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet, who, is, uh, who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had, had received the mark of the beast, and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake um, of fire, and they were burned. So it's spirits. Once again, it connects to every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. In the previous verses, it speaks about fire as well. So it really connects well with that. So is it possible... That the false prophet is not a person. The false prophet is um, somebody that creates a fruit that with that fruit is thrown into the lake of fire. Because if you burn a tree, 
If you chop a tree down and you throw it into fire, the fruit goes with it. And that is often, well, it often, that is always the aim, right? That the fruit go with it. So, in the Beatitudes, I read a verse, and that, I must be honest, it freaked me out for a while, right? Um, because it's Jesus talking here, and he says, Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. And I was thinking, I really like it when people speak well about me, right? So am I maybe in this boat here? And I was very concerned. Um, and uh, I think First John 4, verse 1 to 6, helped me a little bit out of that dilemma. Let's just read through that. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Um, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come uh, in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he is in the world, he that is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever, whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. I want to highlight something. The spirit that is from God confesses that Jesus has been on, on earth. It's already happened. It confirms that truth, the reality of that, right? And the other thing that the Spirit of, um, from God does is that it, it, it says that Jesus came in the flesh. Now, I ask myself, why is that even important? And there's two things I came to. The first one, when he came in flesh, he actually suffered, right? It's not as if he didn't suffer, to take our sins away. When he came in flesh, that is how he really came. And I started to wonder whether the message here is a spirit that is not from God gives you a message about Christ that is not completely aligned with the word. And I think that is the essence. It's a different Christ. You see, if you had a, had a preacher speak to you and he never spoke about Christ, or even spoke against Christ, everyone that called themselves Christians would be able to say, hmm, something is not okay here. But he will speak of a Christ. But it's not the Christ. It's not Jesus Christ from the Bible, the Son of God. It is a different Christ. And we need to be very aware of that. So, is it possible that what we're talking about is a spirit that causes a, a message that human beings, the world, loves to hear. Is it possible that that is the false prophet? Let's think about that a little bit. 
I think it, it is, in addition to that, it latches itself to, to human greed or ambition. Because very often we fall into this trap, we have this ambition, we want to be great, whatever. If I'm honest, uh, when, when I come stand here in front, I really hope that we'll have a full house, right? That is, that is what anyone that stands here, the one that stands here in front and says he doesn't want that, right? I would, I would be tempted to tell that person you're lying, right? Because that is, just, that is just your human kind of desire to have a lot of people to speak to. But how incorrect is that? I should be excited about one person hearing a message today that changes that person in, in a way that drives them closer to Christ. I shouldn't be ex excited when I see there are more than five people in the room like nine o'clock this morning. <laughs> that shouldn't be an issue at all, you see? So what is this whole thing about the false prophet? It says they are um, clothed in, in sheep's clothing, but in, inwardly they're ravenous wolves. So if we focus on that, there's a wolf in between the sheep, and that wolf can just have a meal, right? Have sufficient meals. Um, he can bite and eat and do whatever he wants. But the issue with this whole thing is the false prophet looks like us. It will be a person we love. It will be a person we appreciate, a person we look up to. It will be a person that possibly lives a very good life. But the teaching, the fruit of that teaching is what the problem is. I looked at what, um, what Paul said to the Galatians. He said, but even if we, right, so he himself, and I, I, I wonder there's two options here once again. Either he can be afraid that he himself and the people with him might fall off, which we know in places that happened because of their greed and because of them focusing on the world. We know that that happened, but I think also that people would take their words and twist them, take them out of context, and use them in a different way. Or an angel from heaven. It's amazing, when I, when I did my studies, I had to do one section on, on cults. And, and it was amazing to see how many of the cults started out with a message from an angel from heaven. And that's how they started out. You see, um, he said, if, if somebody like this, this would come, they should be accursed. And he said, once again, if you carry on like that, uh, and, and they come to speak to you, they should be accursed, right? So apparently he wanted these people to be cursed. Paul didn't like people that mess with his words or mess with his Jesus. And neither should we. So... Because we are a servant of Christ, we should not be focusing on what people want, what others want. And this message is not only for the person standing here in front, right? You can be a false prophet within the congregation. We all have an influence. And we're all supposed to check ourselves whether we are aligned with the word or whether we are maybe in danger of being that wolf in sheep clothing. So, 
When we look at, at that a little bit further and we carry on downwards, we see the main thing is you will recognize them by their fruits. To understand this, we need to look at the context. Okay, so let's have a look at the context of Matthew 7. It starts out with that whole thing about the beam and the, and the, and the splinter, right? And the message there is that you shouldn't be so prideful that you think you're okay. You should realize that you also have sin. Then deal with your own sin first before you try to correct somebody else, right? Don't be a hypocrite. But deal with that sin and then help that other person. But when you're helping that person, you're leading them to forgiveness, don't go and throw your pearls before the pigs because they might trample on them and then turn on you. And that is all about forgiveness. Remember that text is about forgiveness. Then it talks about how you could go and... Oh, I'm talking faster than my slides. There you go. Then it talks about how you should know that you will be forgiven. If you go to your father and you ask your father, just like if you ask your earthly father for a good thing, even us messed up earthly fathers would give you a good thing, right? So if you go to your father in heaven and you ask him for forgiveness, he will give it to you. And it's about forgiveness. I'm always amazed how people can turn that text into just ask God for anything and you'll get it. It's about forgiveness. If you see, it talks about searching, knocking. Uh, it talks about um, moving towards God, right? It talk, doesn't talk about getting something. It talks about moving towards God. But we should be knowing that God will give us that forgiveness. And then we should live according to that. Because it also says in the next text that the, the road is narrow, and as Brian explained to us last week, the road is narrow because it's only through Christ that you come to the Father. Only through Christ. There's nothing extra. There's nothing over and above that. There's nothing additional to that, right? And then we come to today's text about the false prophet. And that carries on then to the text that we look at, we'll be looking at next week that says that uh, people do great things, but that doesn't mean that they have a relationship with God, right? That doesn't mean that they are even known by Christ. And then it carries on with the foundation. We need to have a foundation that's based on Christ. So when we look at the fruit, I think we can summarize it as follows. And I'm sure we could add, but we could summarize it as follows. First of all, the fruit of a, a false prophet is that you're prideful and you're self-centered and you tend to think you're better than others, right? We are the only ones with the true revelation of God. Nobody else can read it out of their Bible themselves. Only our congregation is saved, right? That is the kind of message that you will have in yourself. And you'll start condemning other people uh, because of that. Then, cheap forgiveness, because who doesn't want to hear he's forgiven? Just come to Christ and, and, and you are forgiven, right? Everyone likes to hear that. I'm still to find the atheist that doesn't like to hear that. Everyone likes to hear they're forgiven. And if you tell people they're forgiven, they would love you for it. Because then they know they can carry on in their sin. But where will they end up? And that blood will be on your hand. If we love people, we need to give people truth. 
We shouldn't be giving people what they want to hear. We should be giving what they need to hear in love. Then, also, the whole thing about salvation through your own ability. So you need to be this good person and a set of rules, and you need to do this, and you need to do that, and you need to do the following. And then, a salvation that is not purely via Christ, but there's an alternative there. There's an addition to that. And all of these have an aim that we have no relationship with God and that we build a foundation on sand. Because if you follow Christ, whether you truly follow Christ or just fully um, halfway kind of follow Christ, there will be storms. You're in a fallen world, right? There will be storms. And if your foundation is weak, the enemy knows he can destroy you in the storm. Because then you will question God's love. You will question things like that. I spoke to a dear friend this week that said to me, you know what, Ziggy? Um, When I experience something in the physical, that has absolutely no impact on my relationship with God. Because the physical is not important to me in that that extent. And his words got me thinking about how often we allow the physical to have an impact on our spiritual life. And we forget which one is the major and which is the minor. Your spiritual life is your major focus. Your physical life, although we love to have a good life, it's not the essence. It's not the most important thing. So my question to you today is, do you have a repentive heart? When things happen, do you turn to Christ and repent? Or are you at a place where you think, "Ah, you know what, I did that when I started out. If you don't have a repentant heart today, I want to beg you to question your heart. Because you need to have a repentive heart. You are not perfect. We aim to live a correct life. We don't succeed. But that, that not succeeding, knowing you will not succeed, doesn't mean that you shouldn't repent. If you don't repent, you've made the choice to stay on the route that goes straight to hell. That is your choice you made. Then the next question. Does your heart call to its father for forgiveness? Do you call to God for forgiveness on a regular basis? Is that what your heart yearns for? That forgiveness that only comes through Christ from your Father in heaven? And then, does your heart know, it knows that your Father loves you and He wants to give you a good thing and He does forgive you? Does your heart know that or does it doubt that? Remember, your heart doesn't doubt whether you are good enough. It doubts whether the Father is good enough. It doubts whether Christ did enough. It is not a a slap in your own face when you doubt the forgiveness the Father gives you. It's a slap in His face. And does does your heart know that it is only through Christ 
that I'm saved? Does it drive you towards a better life, trying to, but when you fail, you do repent, you do come to the Father, but knowing that's only through Christ that you are saved. So, if we carry on, we see there's a lot of mention about fruits and, and whatever, and this tree and that tree, and, uh, and I was looking at that and I thought, yo, actually the point is made. This is a little bit of an overkill, but I don't think Christ overkills, right? Um, so I, I had some time with it, and I saw that he put it, he wrapped this text um, with these two statements. You will recognize them by their fruits. You will recognize them by their fruits. And in the middle of that thing, I think he said the essence of what he wanted to say. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. When you're trying to figure out whether the teaching you're submitting to, you need to ask yourself, what is the fruit that it brings? Does it bring repentance? Does it bring an understanding of forgiveness and an assurity of salvation? Does it bring the knowledge that it's only Christ and nothing more, nothing less? You see, Jesus wants us to be deception-proofed. He doesn't want us to be people that can be deceived. So let me challenge you today to just check your heart, right? Do you um, have the desire to live a pure life? If you're sitting here today and you say, I, I'm safe, dude. Uh, I don't, uh, why? I don't need to try. There's something wrong in your heart. And you need to pray that God will restore your heart to the place that it needs to be. Because if your heart doesn't drive you to be more pure, there's a challenge in your heart that needs to be addressed. And then, when you fail, do you repent or do you run away? A lot of us, when we fail, we want to run away. We want to hide. Because we're embarrassed. Our failure should drive us towards Christ, not away from him. Then, do the sermons you listen to, and I, I know there are many of us that listen to many different sermons, right? Um, but do the sermons you listen to change your life? Do they actually make a difference in your life? And how convinced are you uh, that it's through Christ alone that you are saved? Are you sure about that? Check your heart, whether that is a truth. Don't answer that too quickly. Be sure that it's through Christ alone that you're saved. Then, are you convinced of your salvation? Do you know that you're saved today? And if you say yes, why? Can you base that on the Bible? Have you found the answers in the Word? And for all of your challenges... Do you search in the Word? Or do you go to YouTube and Google your question? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you will make us people that search in your Word, that have repentant hearts. Lord, that when we, when we fail, we run to you as our Father with the knowledge that you will forgive us. 
I pray that you will help us, that we will always focus on that narrow path that is found only in Christ towards you. Lord, I pray that you will help us to, to recognize false prophets and build a relationship and build our foundation on Christ so that we can be deception-proofed, Lord, that we don't fall off, we stay the, the root. I pray that in your wonderful name, Jesus. This is Rico Vecca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.